You know, prayer is a heart issue. And real, genuine prayer is not lofty speech. It's definitely not about performance. It's about expressing your heart to the heart of God. Uh, prayer, prayer actually is a window into your own heart and into your relationship with, with God himself. And so prayer can become very, very powerful and is very, very powerful. Uh, of course, I'm going to say some things you already know. Prayer is vertical. You know, it's not horizontal. You've ever been in a prayer meeting where somebody's actually preaching at somebody within the circle. Uh, that's, they're not talking to God. They're talking to you. And that's not really what prayer is. That's just another sermon. Uh, prayer happens in our public world, like we just did, in our, in our um, personal worlds, maybe at a dinner table with your family or your close friends. And then prayer happens in your private world where you are in the middle of the night when things are not right. Are you with me on that? That is where prayer is very, very private and real. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that happened, by the way, in Galilee. And Jesus tells the crowd how to pray, all right? Uh, in our text today, Jesus is no longer in Galilee. He's over in Judea. And so there are some new disciples there that have not heard Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in our text today, some of these new disciples, not the 12, the 12 already know how to pray. They've been practicing it. They've been with Jesus for a few years, okay? And so there are these new disciples that are in Judea, and they ask Jesus, hey, would you teach us to, praise, to pray? And, and he does. But what is unique about our text is he then tells a parable. He tells a story. And that story is meant to encourage us. See, it's one thing knowing how to pray. And it's another thing to actually do it, right? Yeah, I know how to pray. I'm just talking to God. But how many of us do that? And that's what Jesus wants to to encourage us with with this parable and it motivates us to pray and it answers the question of the elephant that's in the room you're like what are you talking about and that is does God really listen to my prayers does God really answer my prayers my puny little insignificant prayers and Jesus is going to tell a parable that gives you the answer to that. Because isn't that really sometimes the elephant that's in your brain? The obvious question, and your flesh says, don't pray, don't pray. And your spirit's like, oh, pray, pray, pray. And we have to come to this point that, does God listen to our prayers? Does he answer our prayers? Is he engaged in our prayers? So Jesus is going to give us this template on this model prayer, an outline on how to pray, but more specifically, this, this model. And it's a skeletons, and you know skeletons all have to be fleshed out. You know, they just have to have some meat on them. And I've said this before to you that prayers are like snowflakes. Uh, they are not like a machine in a factory punching out widgets and they're all identical. You know, you're, you're gonna talk to God uh, in a very unique way every time you pray. Um, but Jesus did say it should have these components, and we're going to go over those components. 
But getting back to this thought of there are no two prayers exactly the, alike uh, because there are no two hearts exactly alike. Even yours, what you prayed for this morning, you're a different person by the end of the day. You've had a different experiences. And we're going to use our personalities, our interests, our two genders, our hurts, our faith, our joy, the way we express ourselves, the words we choose, the images that we paint with our words, our feelings, and we're going to pray at a specific time, at a specific place, and once that prayer is over, it's over. And the next time you pray, you're going to be slightly different. You're going to be at a different time. You're going to have different thoughts. You're going to have... And so each prayer is unique. And I want you to realize that sometimes we say quick prayers, right? Lord, help me. How many of you said this that week? this week? Lord, help me. That's a legitimate prayer, you know? Or Jesus, shut my mouth. Yeah, that's a prayer. Jesus, shut my mouth. But we're going to look at Jesus's template or his model on how to pray and what components are in a good prayer a prayer that's going to have power a prayer that's going to transform you because that's what prayer is really about you're talking to god but as you're talking to god you're aligning your heart under his heart and suddenly you have clarity what's going on in my marriage what's going on in my family what's going on in my workplace what's going on in my neighborhood you cannot have that kind of clarity unless you're in tune with god are you with me are you following all this and so that's why Jesus gives us this model prayer to help us get to that point of being under that umbrella. And it's just beautiful. So you have your Bibles. You're going to turn to Luke chapter 11. We're going to take it in two bites. Uh, first, we're going to look at the, the prayer that Jesus tells these new disciples. And it's slightly different, just slightly, pretty much the same, but slightly different than the passage in Sermon on the Mount. And that's okay. And that tells you again, it's not to be this rote, legalistic, joyless prayer that you have to pray. No, this is about your relationship, talking to your dad, your dad. And I will say this as you're turning there. Could you imagine what it had been like to hear Jesus pray? Could you just, just fantasize for just a moment? Just, just think about it. You've heard some people pray and you're like, oh, wow, I just felt shivers because I felt the Spirit move through me. Could you imagine listening to Jesus pray and suddenly his new disciples say, man, I want that. I want that. Tell me, how, how do I get that? How do I do that? How, 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 how? And Jesus is going to answer. So let's pick it up. Verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. It doesn't say he was praying alone. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, that was awesome. Okay, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, Lord, you can almost hear the, the emotion in this request. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Uh, pretty short, right? Pretty short. 
Now, there have been many people that have outlined this prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in various ways. Oh, there needs to be adoration. Yeah, I see that. Oh, there needs to be submission. You're, you're king. Oh, I see that. Supplication. Supplication is just a fancy theological word means you're asking God for stuff or asking God for stuff on somebody else's behalf. And confession. There's confession in there. And there's protection in there. Or have you ever heard of the, the acronym ACTS? A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Those are all components. And so if you're ever praying and you're like, oh, I need, I don't know what to pray about or I don't know how to pray, just remember the word acts and that will help you with adoration. But we're going to break this down. We're going to quickly look at some of these components. First of all, he says, Father. And the first thing we do when we start to pray is realize and speak to the fact that that we have a very, very special relationship with God. We didn't, but now we do. We have a very special relationship with him. No fear, because when you have a good father, you're not afraid of him, right? And a father gives you hope and encouragement and confidence when you're trying to swing a bat. You'll get it, you'll get it. Or trying to learn to paint for the first time. You'll get it. He, he, the Father, our fathers gave us confidence to get the job done. Again, I know that some of us had not so great fathers. But we're talking about our Heavenly Father, which is the ideal Father. And, and so we can't come to Him with this security of knowing that we're going to be accepted and loved and blessed. Because fathers give us good things, right? Fathers give us the good things. And also when we say Father, we are also talking about a ranking. He's above us. He's before us. He's, he's our leader. He's in charge. He's, he's everything. And especially if you can imagine you're a little kid. Your Father is everything. He is, he is above and beyond you. And it's interesting, the word in Greek for Father is, is pater. We get the word paternal from it. But what's cool is that three times in the New Testament, the word that is used for father in Aramaic is the word, hit it, Victoria, Abba. Abba. If you're here, Victoria, pray. It's Abba. It's Abba. Why? Because that means daddy. That's the tender word in Aramaic for your heavenly father. Daddy. Now, that may be a wild concept for you to call your Heavenly Father Daddy. But that's what's modeled in the New Testament because it shows the intimacy of the relationship that Daddy, Daddy, I'm coming to you, Daddy. And, you know, when kids call you Daddy, it kind of melts your heart, doesn't it? All you men out there that are fathers, when they call you Daddy, it melts your heart, right? Okay, I've got one yes. <laughs> oh, you want, oh, gracious Father, may I borrow the car keys? Instead of saying, Daddy, I'd like to go out on a date. Can I borrow the car? You know, Daddy, maybe buttering up, but you know what I'm getting at. Daddy. But when we acknowledge his sovereignty as our Daddy, we... We, we start to actually begin to praise him and give him glory. And there's a reflection in that word of the very special relationship that we have with the creator God. 
And then the text says, so Father, and then it says, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is just an old English word that means holy. It means to revere. It means to praise. It means to give honor. It means to obey uh, uh, the fullness of his person. Hallowed be your name. Glory to your name. It refers to his character. It refers to his essence, if I can say that, his attributes, character, righteousness, goodness, purity, his will, his heart, his authority, his power. And then I don't know if you've ever played this game, and you can play this game when you're praying and you're at this part of the of the template. Hallowed be your name. God, I just don't know what to say about you. Cause, and play the ABC game. Start with the letter uh, A and say, can I think of a word of an attribute of God that starts with A? And you go, yeah, he's awesome, right? And then B, well, give me a word for God that starts with B. That's an attribute. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, C. Compassionate, what? Caring, okay, D. Oh, a little tougher. <laughs> Delightful. Delightful, what? Deliverer. Deliverer, ooh. See, I say delicious. I, I know that sounds funny because it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, how about E? Exceptional. And so if you ever get stumped and you're praying and, and you want it, because see what this is doing is setting your heart under his heart by coming and just praising him. Father, Daddy, I'm here and I want to give you adoration. I want to give you praise. I want to give you glory. And I just want to think about how awesome you are. You know what it's like for a, a, a seven-year-old to come up to Daddy and tell him how great of a dad they are? Woo! Does that feel good? Yeah, it's just like, wow, that's what we're doing to our Heavenly Father. Hallowed be your name can be translated loosely. Let me bring you praise and glory. Let me tell you how awesome you are to me. You are the creator and I am the creation and I'm good with that. And that really sets the tone. And then it goes on, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now we've already acknowledged our special relationship with God, Daddy. Father, gracious King. And then we've talked about uh, giving him glory and praise by just talking a little bit about who he is. And now we focus on his will and his purpose and his kingdom. Now the word kingdom doesn't necessarily mean a geographical area. It means his sovereignty in your, in, in your life. When you say, your kingdom come, you're saying, I'm submitting to your purpose today. I'm submitting to your will today. I'm submitting to you today. That's what that whole phrase means. You're saying, God, be sovereign in my life. Rule me, direct me, command me, and let your agenda and purposes be filled out in me today or fulfilled in me. And then listen to your words. Listen to your words. Ask, answer the question, what do you want me to do for you today? It is amazing how many times when you're really praying, and it's not like your mind's thinking about pot roast after dinner or, you know, after church service, or you're not thinking, you're in the moment because that's what you're supposed to be. You're in the moment. Daddy, you're awesome. Now, I want to do what you want me to do today. And sometimes you will speak words that did not originate in your heart. Isn't that kind of freaky? 
You're praying about, you know, your boss. You're talking about, you're praying about your kids. You know, you're praying about whatever. And you're thinking about how you're going to live today for him. And suddenly you will hear words come out of your mouth that did not start here, but they started there. It's like an answer. It's like a two-way conversation. Like, wow, I just heard this. And it, it just makes crystal uh, clarity. What does his will and his purpose, his kingdom look like in your home or your neighbor? And so slow down, listen, reflect, and then listen some more. And you'll be amazed at how God is actually using your own words to give you the direction for today. And if your flesh starts going into it, you just rebuke that flesh. No, 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 I got, I got to stay here. Now, he then says, give me each day, give us, I'm sorry, give us each day our daily bread. It's interesting, by saying give me, there are five little things that are going on psychologically and emotionally and mentally and, and maybe even physically in your life. And that is this, by saying give me, we acknowledge a position of dependency. Open hands, right? Open hands. We do not have power or authority or can control our life situation. And we're in the humble position of asking for help. Now, I know all of you love to ask for help. <laughs> we are Americans. We don't ask for help. We've been taught that if you say, give me, that's selfish. That's not the context. This is a context of, Lord, I need you. It is a position of humility. It places us in a childlike dependence of thankfulness and humility. The second thing it does is it makes us realize where our gifts come from. They don't come from us. It makes us recognize who meets our needs and gives us so many of our desires. The third thing it does is it reminds us that our source for all the things that are good in our life and our needs are met is not of ourselves. When we have to say, give me, we're acknowledging it. it's not because of my 401. It's not because of my talent. It's not because of my great job or my health or my spouse or my IQ or my luck. The things that are in your life are because the source is from God. And when we acknowledge, give me, we're saying, we, we get it, God. You've blessed me with these things. But that's not the source of them. Fourth thing it does is it reflects a confidence to be straightforward and ask and put it on the table. It's not, like I said, it's not a selfish, gimme, 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 gimme. Like a child, it's, Lord, give me. Give me my emotional needs today. Give me the armor to fight this battle. Do you see the, 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 the position of humility by saying, give me? It's not selfish if you're not saying it selfishly, but it is an act of contrition and of humility. The last thing it does is it makes you examine what's really important in your life. If you, if you could ask him for a thousand things, what would you ask him for? Well, you'd have a long list. Well, let's narrow it down. If you have, ask him only for a hundred things, well, phew, you've got this. Well, how about you can only ask God for ten things? And phew, it gets down. And then it comes down to, if you could ask God for one thing today, what would it be? 
And so this whole give me makes us engage in this process of really thinking through our priorities and what's really important today. Are, are you following me or are you, are, you, are you tracking with me? And so that, that give me is just that attitude of, of living in daily dependence on him. Now, bread is a metaphor and it represents all the things that we need. Emotionally, like I said, physically, yeah. Spiritually, yeah. Mentally, yeah. Psychologically, yeah. Now, the manna that came from heaven in the wilderness came down every day except for Sabbath, right? Every day the manna came down, the bread. Ah, the bread came down, the bread came down. How many years do you think it took for the Israelites to forget about where that bread came from? It became so familiar and so routine Oh, yeah, I'm going to go outside and the bread's going to be there. I'm going to pick it up. And pretty soon, they're not thanking the Lord for that bread anymore, are they? Because well, just like the sun rises, the man is there and the sun sets and the sun rises and the man is there. I, I just wonder, it doesn't say in Scripture, if, if many Israelites stop thanking God. But do you notice where it says, each day... And so that daily dependence creates a thankful heart. You ask, you receive, you're thankful. You ask, you receive, you're thankful. And thankfulness, even though it's not stated explicitly, I hope you understand that thankfulness is a huge part of your prayer life. I know that we say thank you, Jesus, a lot, right? And we should. But do we take the time and thank the Lord for our spouse? Do we thank the Lord for our children? Do we thank the Lord for our job? Do we thank the Lord? Or has it become commonplace? And so this whole process of praying, give me or give us our daily bread, that daily opens our eyes to the things that God is really doing. And then he says, and forgive us our sins. Um, Here's an FYI. Ignoring sin is a bad policy. <laughs> Ignoring sin in your life is a bad policy. Well, first of all, it says Scripture says it hinders your prayers. Plugs the ears of God. I don't know how it works. But if you're in rebellion, why does... How many of you want to reward a rebellious child at Walmart throwing a fit in the middle of the candy aisle? Right? You're like, no, you ain't getting candy today. They don't hear that plea for the Snickers bar. You just get yanked up off the ground and taken to the, to the car, right? It hinders prayers. And self-righteousness and pride really can blind you to your own sin. Let me say that again. Pride and self-righteousness can blind you to your own sin. And asking for forgiveness then implies confession. It's looking sin in the eye and owning it. It's making, as what they say in the 12-step program, a moral inventory that is searching and fearless to really look at your life and say, What's, what, what, what do I need to do, Lord, to be more like you? How, how, how 
What needs to change? What chamber of my heart that I sealed off from you needs to be pried open? And that's a part of this confession. Talking with God about sin in my life. You know, selfishness is so big in marriages, isn't it? Now, I hope not in a Christian marriage, but I know in the world's marriage, you should hear women degrade their husbands when they're with other women. Or you should hear men degrade their wives in front of other men. It's pathetic. And then they come home and act like that that process, that thought is not going to be in their heart. And so we confess our sins. We, we go to God and, and we really look at it. And the cry of our heart is for God to transform us and to change us to be like him. God, remove my character defects. If you're not praying that, can I give you a heads up? You need to. God, I'm blind to my own character defects. You know they say that you can walk by a, a something that's broken in your house and by the seventh time you've already accepted it? You're not going to do anything about it? How long was it that we had this little strip, a transition strip, between this floor and this floor? Well, in the bathroom, Chris, what was I? Let's see, before months. Why? I just accepted it. Now, in our other bathroom, it's been three years. Why? I accepted it. When you start accepting sin in your life, what's happening to your prayer life? That's shriveling up. It's hindering. And that's why God, God knows. He's your daddy. Tell him. And say, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, I don't want to be like this anymore. Show me. Make a searching and fearless moral inventory and then ask God to then help you with it to remove your character defects. And then it goes on and it says this, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Before you even ask for forgiveness, the prayer indicates that you have already forgiven those that have screwed you over, right? Can I use that vernacular without upsetting you? Yeah, it's a little touchy. My wife just gave me the cringe look. But seriously, that is a real question. you got to deal with the people that have maligned you, have wronged you, have done dirty against you, whether it be a family member or whether it be your neighbor or whether it be someone else. You need to have that contrite heart that says, God, I'm forgiving them. And now... I'm asking forgiveness for my faults, for my failures. You've got to be dishing out forgiveness if you're going to then be asking for it. And can I give you another FYI? I'm just full of them today. You can't fake forgiveness in God's eyes. (laughs) That doesn't mean all the warm fuzzies come, but it's an act of the will to say, I forgive them for doing this to me to my child, to my church, I forgive them. And it is a conscious decision, not a good warm feeling. It is a desire of the heart to be like Jesus. And so we we confess that. And then it says, lead us not into temptation. Uh, Can I give you my translation? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, today. 
Help me, Lord, today. Because we know that God doesn't tempt. The Bible is very clear about that. So what does it mean, lead us not into temptation? There's a guy that was a professor at a Bible college that my, my children went to. His name's Mark Moore. He said it this way, don't abandon me in temptation so that it would overwhelm me. That's the way he, he interpreted that verse. But here's, here's something that's interesting. All three Gospels record Jesus using this phrase in the garden. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So in other words, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be aware of the spiritual battles that I will face today that I don't even know are coming. Help me to keep my eyes open. Help me to see the traps of the evil one. You know, you're going to have a rough day at work. What are you going to pray for? <coughs> if you know you're going to have a rough conversation with what? Uh, with a person, what are you going to pray for? If you know you're on the outs with another person, what are you going to pray for? You're going to pray that your flesh be crucified and that you walk into that spiritual battle with your eyes open so that you can be just like Jesus. That's what it means, lead us not into temptation. It means that you pray asking God to reveal the temptations ahead of time so that you can be ready. It's like a deja vu moment. You've all had deja vu, right? This is weird. I'm doing a personal confession here. Okay. There have been times where I've had a deja vu moment, but after the very first time I had the moment, I thought and looked at the way I handled the situation. And then when the actual situation happened in real life, guess what? I was prepared. So don't think that deja vu is, is something that is just psychological imbalance up there. I think God can use them to prompt you to be ready for the fight that you're about to get into by allowing you to see a preview, just a snippet, and it puts your heart in check. It's like, wow, that is cool and that is powerful. But that don't happen unless you say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Now... Let's look at the rest of the text. And we won't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it is a parable. It's a story. Parables have one main point, one main point. You can't read into them all sorts of things. Jesus tells a story for one main point, and here it is. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend! Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. By the way, most people had only a one-room house, and they're all snuggled up together, and it's midnight, and he doesn't want to be bothered, because if he has to get up, what is he going to do? He's going to wake his kids up. They're going to be grouchy the next day. He's going to wake his wife up because he doesn't know where the bread is, right? He's a man. He has to figure out, I don't know where the bread is, so honey. And chances are this lady had baked the week's worth of bread. They didn't bake it daily. You know, they baked several loaves at a time. And they weren't huge loaves, they were little loaves. And depending on how much resources they have. And so he says, I cannot get up and give you anything. 
<coughs> I love, don't bother me. Get away. Go away. Knock on somebody else's door. But in that culture, to not have something to set before your guest was quite an insult. In fact, it was almost considered a community insult. And so there is an obligation of this man to get up. Catch that. There's an obligation. By community standards, by cultural standards, he's supposed to get up and help his friend out. Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give whatever he needs. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Ooh, that just hurts just a little, but he's right. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, chair, I mean, prayer changes our perspective, our attitude, our understanding. But the elephant in the room says, but will it change our situation? Will it change our situation and Jesus addresses that issue with a parable. And he just says overwhelmingly, yes, it will change your situation. God gives good gifts to his children. Let me say that again. God gives good gifts to his children. And that's the simple point of the parable. You need to ask. You need to seek. You need to knock. The title of this message is Don't Be Afraid to Pray. Your faith your asking will not be rejected. Let me say that again. You are not going to be rejected. And notice that asking and seeking and knocking all are verbs that intensify. Each verb gets more stronger and it builds. Kevin, if your daughter was missing... First, you would ask the public, have you seen my girl? Have you seen her? Have you seen her? The next step, what would you do? Oh, I'd start, what, seeking. You know, I'd send out a search party, wouldn't you? I'm, I'm going to, uh, last she was seen was she was at the mall. We're going to get out a search party. We're, we're going to hold hands, walk through the cornfield, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we're going to search. And then if the search doesn't reveal anything, what do you do? You're going to knock on every door in cruises until you find your little girl, right? You're going to ask, you're going to seek, you're going to knock. Or maybe a more real-life example. Lord, what do I do in this troubled marriage? Lord, what do I do in this situation? Lord, what do, what do I do in jail? Lord, wh what do I do at this place of work that's adversarial? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You ask for wisdom and discernment. You seek out wisdom and counsel. Find out the root cause. You knock. You knock out the tough decisions. 
all through the Holy Spirit that gives you wisdom and discernment. He said, I love that he said this, ask and your father will give you the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom, the Holy Spirit is there to and live in you. Not to make your trial go away, not to make temptation go away, but so that you will be victorious. Amen. That's that that help me. And he says, if you ask, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your best buddy. I'm gonna be the one that's applauding. I'm gonna be your cheerleader. I'm gonna be the one that is giving you the resources you need to have victory. Now that's powerful prayer. Discernment on what is the right thing to do in every situation, in every relationship, in every moment. So don't be afraid to pray because you don't think you do it very well. How many people have I talked to and you have talked to and you may be one of them. Well, I just don't pray very well. No, 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 no. That's an excuse. No, 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 no. You are to pray. And God has told you how to pray and then he's encouraged you to, yeah, you ask, you seek, you knock, I'm going to be there for you. So don't be afraid about your performance because it's not a performance. Do not be afraid to pray. Don't think that eh, it really doesn't matter or that I've screwed up and he's not going to hear me because I, I heard that preacher say that sin hinders prayer. Well, then talk to him about that and then talk to him about the other thing. Well, it feels awkward. It's not natural. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. I can't do it in public. I don't care if you can do it in public. But I want you to be doing it in your private world and your personal world. And practice makes perfect. Understanding these. It's like riding a bike. It's like, remember the first time you strapped on roller skates? How many times did you fall? Right? Pretty soon you felt the freedom of roller skates. You felt the freedom of a bicycle. You felt the freedom once you mastered it. And God has given you the tools to master it and he's given you the encouragement to say, don't be afraid to pray. I'm listening. I'm here for you. I want to give you and bless you. And I want you to to have victory and transformation in your life. And so Jesus said, this is how you pray. Your father's good. Ask, seek, and knock. And it will be given to you. You will find it. And the door will be open to you. Now, we have about three minutes left. And I want to just pretend it's Monday morning. Now I'm going to pray. Uh, and you can just eavesdrop on my prayer. Dad, every good gift comes from you from above, and I know that because I'm your child and you've blessed me. You're my provider. You're my protector. And when I am in your arms or sitting in your lap, I have nothing to fear. You understand me the most, my fears, my hurts, my trials. As a father never condemns his son, never turns his back on his boy, you have never turned your back on me, Daddy. You've always been there for me. Great is thy faithfulness. Daddy, you know everything, and you know what's going to happen this week, and you know that 
my family is all stressed out and messed up and I just ask that you calm this child because I feel a storm's brewing. Lord, protect me from the drama. Protect me from my own thoughts. And then you kind of move into that hallowed be thy name. Your love is higher than the mountains. Your grace covers me like the sea. When I woke up this morning, I saw that the dawn was breaking. I heard Tammy breathing and I praised you for it. Your righteousness goes before me and your goodness follows me all the days of my life. You hold the very breath that I breathe in the palm of your hand. You are the giver of life. You are my sustainer. And your kingdom come, Lord. Jesus, you're above all rule and authority and power and dominion and the same mighty power that raised you from the dead is working in me. I was angry with my brother last week and I know my attitude was not helping anyone and I want to give you my anger. I want to give it over to you. Not just this last time, but all the memories of I, I have of his painful, selfish behavior towards me. Rule my heart, Lord, every chamber. And Father, when, when I see him next, let me love him, forgive him. Let my love be your love. I will control my tongue for your sake. I will control my thoughts for your glory, for I know what you want me to do. And Father, help me to find your peace in my life today. Things seem to be out of control and I need you. Lord, I ask for strength today. I'm here, I'm supposed to hear from the doctor about how that test went, but I will stand on your promise of love. Jesus, I ask that you'd guide my thoughts and help my ears to hear your voice. I feel like I've disconnected from you and I haven't heard you in a long time. Lord, my, my prayer is tune my heart. Father, give me sunshine today as I fight discouragement. And if the sun doesn't come out, let me look for a person that you'll put across my path that will bring me sunshine. Lord, help my attitude at work. I feel so valueless. Let me see how much you actually value me. Jesus, I'm running out of money. Will you shrink my grocery bill? May everything I buy at the grocery store be on sale and stretch those two fish and five loaves. Father, I ask for healing of my friend at church. Let today be a good day for her. Give her rest from the battle. Refresh her like only you can. I pray that you fill her with your presence. Lord, would you provide comfort for that family that has lost a loved one? Or for the ones that had to put down dogs this week? Give me the opportunity today to bless them. Jesus, guard my mouth today. You always provide a way of escape. Help me to see it. Help me, Lord. I need a big flashy neon sign sometimes and I want to be obedient. Father, I need your ability to forgive those that hurt me. Help me to see them the way you see them. Lord, my critical spirit is damaging to my children. Forgive me. May your grace cover them for what I said in anger. Teach me a better way to express myself. Thank you for my job today. Help me to appreciate it, to work hard as unto you, and help me to see it as the way to bless your way to bless me. Lord, help me today. Prepare my heart for the trials and temptations that come my way. Guard my heart, shut my lips. Let me see the spiritual battles going on and give me victory over my flesh. My old, prideful, selfish, controlling ways.
I pray this in the name of Jesus. I won't say that that was a fictitious prayer. For there are many things in that prayer of mine that are hit close to my heart. And that's just an example, but that's my words to my Father. You have to find your words to your Father. But don't be afraid to pray. He's given us the simple, simple outline. Follow it and be blessed and be transformed. Let me pray. Father, we have been talking about prayer this morning and how you want us to connect to your heart so desperately, you more so than us. And Father, you've shown us the way and you've encouraged us now. No matter if it feels awkward and unnatural at first, but to just seek your face every morning and to hear from you and to know your presence and to know your glory and to hear from you, Lord. Thank you for your promise, and in faith we stand on it. We will ask, we will seek, and we will knock, and we will not be denied, because Jesus has paid it all. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.